mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, can we pause it at some point? Yes, we when can. When I want crisps or something. But also we can... Um, crisps. We can... <laughs> I'm going to see if I've got any nuts. All right, all right. okay. We can um, also oh God, those books are so pretentious. No. I'm going to explain the books by saying that in my previous house I had about ten, well, at least five thousand books. Right, we we'll get onto that. Yeah, that is okay. an edited down uh, fucking. Hey, hey, hey! Tell you. Okay, I'm ready when you are, Russ. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Rob? I'm really grateful. Why are you really grateful? Because we've just had a tour in East London yes. around the house of our guest today. Yes, and it's been amazing. An amazing art tour and a colour tour. It's been one of the most colourful houses I've ever been in. Me too. And it's not only got great art, but it, this guest also has incredible design. And taste. and taste and furniture and everything, even like the carpets, like the colour of the carpets. I'm super happy about it. It's like design and architecture is in her blood. It is indeed. And that's also one of the reasons I wanted to invite her onto the show, because I heard an interview with you once where you said that when you were younger, you tried to like improve yourself through learning and you went to the library and you were like teaching yourself as much as you could about design you were just trying to improve yourself and that is what this whole podcast po- podcast is about self-improvement yes through art through making education. the world a better place yes. so, so we would like to welcome <laughs> janet, janet street, street porter. porter hi janet what a build-up. <laughs> <laughs> it is true that I was a self-improver and also I was an incredible snob uh, and I couldn't believe that I was my parents' child and that's what kept me going. I used to go to the library after school and work in the library because that way you could read all the books that were on the um, adults-only list or you had to, um, you know, there were banned books and books that you had to... Um, be over 18 to read and stuff like that. So by working in the library, I had access to a lot of stuff. Would you say you was like Matilda? I didn't like that show. You didn't like the show, but the actual story of Matilda? I've never read it. I only got to the interval. I couldn't stand the music. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if it stuck with it, she was a little girl who felt like she wasn't her like parents' child, and she better bettered herself and educated herself, and went to library and was fascinated with literature and education and she went on and did amazing things you think into the future oh well i managed to do that without reading the story amazing no i um yeah i don't want to be negative about the musical but um 
I like the costumes. I like the dancing. I couldn't stand the music. Sorry oh. about that. Where did you grow up? <laughs> I grew up in Fulham. Uh, my parents had half a house. Um, we didn't have very much money. Uh, my dad was an electrician and my mother was a school dinner lady. And the top part of our house was rented out to a bus conductor and his family. So we had the ground floor and half the first floor. And then the other half of the first floor and the top floor belonged to them. And they had the bathroom in their half. Oh <laughs> well, we, we could use the bathroom on Sunday afternoons. Wow. And they had the inside toilet as well, so we only had an outside toilet. But now, you know, I don't want to boast about my working class credentials, yeah. but that's what they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have books in the house and stuff? Yeah, my mother had a lot of Reader's Digest books that you got, you know, and yeah. uh, books that if you were in the Reader's Digest book club, you got. Got sent. Yeah, you got sent. And uh, I had a godmother who my mother had met during the war who was one of the reasons I was a self-improver because every Saturday I would be sent on the bus to my auntie Eileen's in Notting Hill Gate and we used to try and uh, she wanted me to speak French on Saturdays. Wow so so do you think auntie Eileen is the reason that you were the you saw the potential? Yes definitely because uh, she was a fantastic culture snob so we would meet up in Notting Hill Gate, and then we go to Queensway, and we eat at the French patisserie in mm-hmm. Queensway, and we go to Whiteley's Food Hall and buy French food, mm-hmm. and she'd buy the French newspaper, and I'd have to try and tell her what it was about, and then we go back to her flat on Westbourne Grove, and we'd have Edith Piaf or God knows what, Charles, you know, Charles. What age was you at this doing this? Mm, Twelve, thirteen. Wow. Now she was a big. Uh, uh, influence on my life because I would go to the uh, continental cinemas with her. We'd go to the one in Notting Hill Gate, or we'd oh, go wow. to the Renoir in um... Brunswick. Yeah, no, there no, was one in, in uh, the one in Regent Street oh, wow. that has now been restored. So I went to loads of foreign movies. And I was seeing things that were probably quite unsuitable. <laughs> I saw lots of cocktail <laughs> movies. I saw Beauty and the Beast when I was about twelve or thirteen. Um, well, that, and Cocteau did a version of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, oh, I didn't it's know the that, original. Okay. It's the really wacko, um, surrealist version where and the you, hands hold all the plates. You love that, don't you, as well, because of the soundtrack? Yes. Well, no, Philip, well, Philip no Glass, what happened was that was, the, Philip Glass took the Cocteau film and composed later on. Oh, later on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Philip Glass composed an, an imaginary soundtrack to it. And he got singers to sing to the subtitles. Wow. So they did it at the Barbican a few years ago and they showed the film and then the singers sing the soundtrack. So good. It's did amazing. Yeah, 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 he did two films, Philip Glass. He did a horror movie as well. Have you seen that? Yes. Wow. And so did your auntie take you to art galleries as well? Um no, not so much. She was more interested in the theatre. I went to, um, there was an international theatre season, so we'd go to uh, the theatre in plays in French and stuff like that. So she was a big influence till I was about 14 or 15. And then I, um, I would keep diaries of all the books that I read and... I did this program on the radio actually about my teenage diaries. I probably was uh, quite 
<laughs> an epic snob. So I'd write all the books that I'd read that year as I read them, yeah. all the galleries that I went to, yeah. and that was at the same time that I'd be writing Saw Terry at the Chip Shop. <laughs> so it's like completely schizophrenic personality. Uh, but when I was about 15 or 16, I uh, got a boyfriend who was studying architecture, and from then on we went to loads of galleries and stuff. And I heard that you were really, really into, like, cartoons as well, or, or comic, yes. comic strips, sorry, yes. co- comic books. Yeah, there was a big exhibition at the ICA um, of uh, comic strip art, and originally I think it had, came from Paris, mm. and I remember doing something for the BBC about it when I was about 20. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I do. Uh, I've got quite a lot of books of comic strip art of, from that era. So. But like poli- the, the political stuff or like... No, uh, really, fa- like Windsor McKay, like Little Nemo in Slumberland, fantasy stuff. Right, right, right. Yeah. So around the time of like, would it have been Asterix or would that have been no, later? No, I was not a fan of Asterix. I think it, it was just... Um, the French, the, uh, France was one of the first countries that really recognised Amer- American graphic art um, almost at a time when it wasn't being uh, revered there. Mm. And then they had this show at the ICA where, you know, you'd see frames. where Little Nemo is a brilliant example where the whole page of the book he was in slumberland, so his bed grew legs and walked him to slumberland. So actually the strip itself, the complete strip, was an artwork. So um, a little bit after that, I really got into our crumb and all of those. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was afterwards, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I think our crumb is a, a phenomenal artist. I mean, he's yeah. seen as an artist in his own right now with Davies Werner, isn't he? I mean, that yeah. positioned him yeah. yes. as like within the lineage of art history of what he's doing and especially think, like Rebecca Warren as well is very very inspired as a friend of all of ours yeah she's very inspired by our crumbs work I think he was so like in your face it was really f- fantastic and I just think that at that time I went from um I, I remember really clearly going to the big pop art show at the uh, Tate Gallery and being really knocked out and then they had a big show about surrealism so these are shows that I saw between the ages of 16 and 18 wow. so by the time I got to college at 18 I had a pretty good art education because I'd done A-level art anyway mm-hmm. and I did history I did art, art, history of architecture as well design as a, was it as well well no, I did history of architecture as one of the papers in my RA level. Uh-huh. So I had to teach myself because there was no one at, at my school to teach that. So it was I was really in my own world. Yeah. And then when I got to the Architectural Association, it was like I'd gone home. I was with my peer group before when I was at college. I'd, uh, sorry, before when I was at school, I always felt a little bit weird. But when I arrived in at college in 1965, it was fantastic. And we had uh, artists like Gustav Metzger doing mm. performance art in our college. No he way. Came, yeah, he did. Um, he burnt the pianos and did all of that, destroyed the pianos. When you were at college? When I was at college, no in way, the courtyard so cool. of the Architectural Association. And then we would do these events like um, we had these carnivals once a year where we 
build huge sets and stuff like that. We did wow. a Prohibition one and a Wild West one. So it was a really exciting time, 65 to 67. And then I, w- I was um, in blow-up because Antonioni came to our college looking for people to be in the film. It was a really exciting time, definitely. Did you have to audition? Oh, well, <laughs> the thing is that Antonio only came and chose us. In, he came to the bar at the AA and he went, look, you've got to come to the audition in Porchester Bars because of the unions. And then we were all, Manolo's in it, I'm in it, Piers Goff's in it. Loads of us are in that particular scene in the nightclub. But my big complaint was, oh, God, we had to start really early and we um, go all the way out to Pinewood. (laughs) (laughs) But I got extra money because I danced. um, Oh, wow. With the black guy and all the others were going, what's she got? Well, I was wearing my own clothes, so I'm wearing a silver coat that I made. Wow. You made? Yeah, I made clothes for Carnaby Street in my first year at college. No so, way. Right, okay, let's just sort this out timeline-wise. Why, why did you choose architecture, do you think? Why was that your persuasion? That uh, because no one from my school had ever done it. Yeah. And it was far more, it was very difficult to get in. Um, you had to sit an entrance exam and not a lot of girls ever got accepted. It was 95 boys and five girls in wow. my first year. So there was an upside to that, which on paper sounds great, but actually a load of, uh, boys the same age as you are not that attractive <laughs> but they were such good fun and I've stayed you know I've stayed friends with some of the people that I was at college with still you know 50 years later we still go on holiday we still Piers has designed house for me and I actually I'm wow. seeing him this Thursday but what was it what was it about the architecture what what certain buildings or design was you oh, like triggered I loved by the idea of um controlling a complete environment and I suppose what's happened since then is I did two years and then I took a year off uh, because I wanted to do my third year in New York and I got a job on a teenage magazine Petticoat and then within six months I was offered a job on the Daily Mail as deputy fashion editor so I was like 21 years old And I kept all my links with architecture because I was married to an architectural photographer. I wrote about architecture for Design Magazine, Queen Magazine and all those magazines. And so I didn't really lose my relationship with it. I Mm -hmm. just love architecture. And now? Well, I built two houses. I built one with Piers and one with David Adjaye. Don't oh. really want to go there. We're not talking about that. Okay. <laughs> we can try. We can try and get there. <laughs> we can try and get it. Very well aired that. Oh, okay. Argument. Oh, you had an argument with him. Yes. Well, the house <laughs> was quite problematic, but I've ended up living. You know, we're sitting in a Georgian house yeah. because it's calm. You think because the energy of the architecture of this house keeps it calm. The environment's calm. It's yeah. on a square that's closed to traffic. I've got a garden. When Because of my life's so intense, yeah. when I'm at home, I want a place that's very calm. Refuge. Yeah, totally. Well, so- I, I just want somewhere that it's not going to be um, screaming at me. Mm-hmm. Something I found really interesting was that before you went to the AA, to the Architectural Association, yeah. not, not Alcoholics Anonymous, <laughs> just yeah. to make that clear, uh, but 
before you went there, you actually used to photograph yourself. Like you would go out on the streets and take pictures of buildings. So you were actually creating like photography yourself. Which I yeah, I did a portfolio to get in there. I photographed walks that I did. I photographed buildings. I made what now they'd be called mood boards. I made scrapbooks. Right. So as before that, I'd written diaries. Of, Have you still got all these? Yes. So cool. I have got them in Yorkshire. Yeah. I love that idea though that you were actually like well, you I know, collected to, to the things that I would um, put together that were like what I was interested in. So it might be pictures from fashion magazines or drawings or yeah, art catalogues. I've got all the catalogues for all the art shows I've been to since I was fourteen. Wow. No way. So what was the first art show then? Oh, I used to go up to Bond Street and be really frightened to go into the galleries in Cork Street because it was quite formidable. But we would, you know, I would go to the Tate, I'd go to the British Museum, I went to the Science Museum. And then when I was about 14, I joined the sketching club at the Natural History Museum. Mm-hmm. I loved that. You could go in on Saturdays and draw. What, what were you drawing? Uh, stuff that was in the Natural History Museum. Oh, so you draw the exhibits. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, cool. sketching club. So it's kind of like life drawing without the nude models. Yeah, and you know what? I <laughs> love the museums. And uh, for six years, I was on the uh, trustee of the Science Museum quite recently. I just oh, wow. did. Yeah, I was one of the. Do they still do these classes? These drawing I classes? don't know. <laughs> oh. I just feel that um, the visual arts have been, you know, I've ended up as a journalist and broadcaster, but my whole 100% of my background and my interest lies in art and design definitely my i mean i've had four husbands and they've all said (laughs) i'll go into a room and if it's not the way i want it i can't go in it i can't be in it and that's one of the reasons why i think i imagine i'm very difficult to live with right because i have to have it all the way it has to be and if i i mean i would come in this room now and i'd look at those bookshelves and i think oh they need a bit of a re sorting out I'm the yeah. same as you. I'm very kind of OCD with positioning of yes. things. It has to be positioned correctly. Now I will walk around the room at various angles and then move it. People think I'm a freak. They come to my place. You come to my apartment. I was like, just about to say, you're meeting your kindred spirit here in Russell. <laughs> oh, well, because, brilliant. Because every time I go to his house, the art's moved around. So if you've yeah. got your portrait behind you here, like literally next time I came, it would be over there. Like it's never in the same place. And books, particularly everything, just moves around. Well, I, what I find is... When I when I built I actually because I've actually built a house on a bomb site designed by Piers Goff, that was fantastic because we could make a house that's like a mo- a film set. Yeah. So you know you're an actor, so you appear in films, but other people are directing them. That must be really annoying because I have to appear on television directed by other people, and I know what it's like because you're not in total control. But when you design a house with an architect that you really respect, they are interpreting your personality so that when you open the front door of the house, you're in your own movie. Mm. And that is so good. That's so sexy. I love it. It is so sexy. It's really sexy. So the house that I had in Britain Street, the door was made of uh, railway sleepers Mm. and it had like the whole thing was like a portcullis, so when you went in, it was a really hostile house. So the idea was, 
it's said to people, don't even think about ringing the fucking doorbell <laughs> because it's not going to be answered. And then when you open the door, it was like being in a film set. Yeah. Wow. It was exciting. I mean, I was sad to sell it. The only reason I sold that house is because they knocked down all the buildings around it, so I lost my privacy. And mm. I think it comes back to what I said earlier, that the house... Your home has got to be your sanctuary and you've got to be able to wear any old shit you want to wear in it and you've got to be with the taste, your taste. And, of course, a lot of people haven't got the guts to um, have any taste or they're not... Not aware um, of their own taste. Their oh, own. they're not confident about yes. it. Yes. Well, I'm mega confident. Oh, my God. I, well, you can see that on this tour because the, the colours and everything, you're so vivacious. The way that you've put everything together is incredible. Well, to have it? a shocking pink kitchen, yeah. right. When I came to this house, I had an architect uh, help me out with some of the design and then I had the kitchen designed by uh, German kitchen designers and uh, uh, my brief was just two blocks. That's It's all got to be in two blocks, so it's just two rectangles. And then the guy who designed it said, okay, I see this kitchen in dark grey or some old bollocks like that. I went, look, it's going to be shocking pink. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked really, really sick. And then he, wow. And he went, sick. And then he said, uh, well, I see the worktop in kind of grey. I went, it's going to be white, full of glitter. Because <laughs> that's me. I want my kitchen to be jolly and happy. <laughs> Anyway, but it's a Georgia now, so I went, look, just don't even fucking think about it. It's going to be shocking pink, so that's it. So something that always really struck me about you, I remember like 10 years ago when I first started working for Carl's Gallery and we did our first Freeze Art Fair together. Yeah. And Carl's always been a bit um, hesitant to do art fairs in the sense that he's not... um, a natural born like salesman in a way like he's much more critical and yeah. you are though you're Whereas a salesman I, I love selling art and yeah I you're sell, really sell, good sell. at selling because you're nice but I love Carl, chatting Carl can't <laughs> Carl's not confident at having to do that slight bit of obsequiousness no I can't I, I, well, he doesn't yeah. like small talk which, no he doesn't have which any. actually I, I like that I've learned to really respect I think it's a brilliant thing that he does he's very that's just who he is but I remember you came on the booth the first year I was working there and you know when you walked on I didn't know you at all and I might have seen you a few years before it like Tracy's events or yeah. I don't know White Cube or whatever but I didn't know you and to me you were this kind of like cultural figure that I'd mm. grown up with on TV mm. and I was really like wow you're at Freeze Art Fair but I did I found it quite shocking at the time and then you ran up to Carl and you're having this chat with him and I was like how the hell does Carl know Janet Street Porter mm. and then over the years I've kind of got to see you out more and more and I saw you at the Turner Prize recently at the opening and I loved the fact that that you are so much more than just like you know, being a television presenter or all of those things that... That's maybe, only a fraction of what I do. It's a tiny part of it, though. And also that, that idea that people are often, like, have very strong opinions about you because you're very outspoken yourself, which, again, I really respect and I kind of admire. But um, I love this idea that actually there's a kind of shyness to you, which I've seen more through hanging out with you in the art world, in a way. There's a kind of, like... And, and an, you're very interested in a kind of thoughtful way, not not in just an outspoken way. And I've always really loved that about you. There's a kind of like duality in, in your... In, yeah, but in I'm very private. People, yeah. because bear in mind now I'm on uh, TV, daytime television, and I've done a lot of reality shows. Right. Everybody thinks they know you, and every day of my life, I mean, the must do it with Russell too, you, I have people come up to me and they don't just say hello, they grab hold of me and they think oh, it's made their day. But, you know, those people are only 
interacting with me in um, a very superficial way because I've had the same friends for many, many years right. and I'm a very private person. So it's, it's a bit of a dichotomy. There, there's the person who's on television that is, you know, out there and has opinions on TV and then there's the person who writes a column um, and then there's the person who's completely different who could sit and talk about Len Dayton or talk about, you know, quite niche things, if you like. Yeah. And get on really well with quite extraordinary wide range of people. But I know the people I don't like and I don't hang out with them. Right, so right, I've right. got quite specific likes. Do you still have a major thirst for knowledge, still wanting to know everything? Yeah, I would like to... I've written that the my big obsession about ageing, obviously, because I'm 72 now and I feel like, why haven't I aged like most people of my generation? And it's because I don't look back particularly. I mean, when you're asking me about my past, I'm having to like rummage around and try and remember it. Because for me, the priority is what's going to happen next and what I haven't done yet and what I might do and what I might, who I might meet and yeah. what I might um, see, you know, so I'm open to all sorts of things. So I, I spend every day reading and I cut newspapers up and I cut stuff up and I've got all files. you still got on. a scrapbook. You still keep like a yeah, new I board. Keep, I keep files on loads of things that I'm interested in. Yeah. Places so cool. I'm going to go to that I haven't been yet. Designers that I haven't. I look at their stuff online and craftsmen and people like that. So I'm really interested in that. So you're still, you're still abreast with fashion and you're very abreast with uh, art. Fashion, definitely. I would like to, you know, I'm always looking at stuff and I've stayed in touch with um, people from, you know, that I've known for ages, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm always looking for younger designers, yeah, definitely. For um, yourself or just out of interest? I might like, wear them, I might not. It might not be right for me. But like yeah. Gareth Pugh, I, lo I yeah, loved yeah. Gareth yeah, Pugh's I love work. Gareth Pugh's and well. I went to, you know, I went to one of his shows and I just thought he was brilliant because he was like a theatrical, well, he just had a whole vision of what clothes were all about. There is a big crossover, obviously, between art and fashion. I always found it really annoying in the art world that some people, like, if you look like you were into fashion in the sense that I, I've always been interested in new ideas, basically. It doesn't matter what form, whether it's craft, you know, like, as in, like, pottery or something. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't really ever see boundaries between different different mediums, if that makes sense. So, like, yeah. and fashion particularly, but often people would really be snobby about it. And I'd just, I, I'd be like, I think it's so small-minded to not look to other... ceramics is a big area where that's gone when when I started collecting ceramics in like the 60s and there was people like Carol McNichol and Richard Slee yeah uh they were very much regarded as ceramicists but yeah. now yeah they are artists yeah. and exactly. they work so in museums and you know in America people like Kenny Price you know, he was always regarded as an artist. It was only over here. We had to stick them in that dreadful crafts council, you know. Which really annoyed home. me. And I'm so glad you're, it's a great example, actually, because the ceramics are now, you know, being yeah. respected as they should, yes. you know. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. 
add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Do you think Grayson Perry's had a, a lot to do with that with, within the British market? Uh, maybe. Maybe but actually, yeah. In my house in Yorkshire, I've got um, some other things that he did, like embroideries. He made a lovely handbag that was a man and a woman handbag that oh, was wow. a limited edition. And he, it, they found it hard to sell. I think he did it for Selfridges, and I was there straight away. I think I bought about three. <laughs> I, gave, I gave one to Elton, I know, I know that, and he went back and bought some more. No way. So yeah, good. it was a man-woman handbag. It was Wicked. really cute. So I always really like Grayson's um, collages. Yeah. Yes. He made all these great photo collages. Yeah. Well, they're very similar. We've just walked around your house, and you've got a big Jake and Dinos Chapman collection. I always find that them collages always slightly remind me of Jake and Dinos with the kind of intensity of all the figures and all the characters kind oh, of yeah. doing their own business, getting around the world. And they're quite like haunting some of the imagery. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uses, that's why I like what... I think. Yeah. yeah. And also the narratives and the story is so strong with it. I bought some uh, great collages at the last. Um, I always go to the art boot sale, car yeah. boot sale oh, yeah. in Folkestone. And I bought the last time, I bought some really good collages that are uh, um, strange Victorian engravings with um, photos montaged onto them. And I can't remember who did them, but I always get, I always get quite a few bits and pieces at those fairs. I love them. Oh, wicked. Do you yeah. try and live with everything you've got? You must have quite a big I've got a few. Now. I go to um, student shows not enough now. I've got some that are not up. That are, I've got um, one that's a... Um, oh, God, I don't know how, what the process is. It's like an image on metal, a sheet, big sheet of metal. That's upstairs here because I haven't found anywhere to put it. Mm. And I've just bought... Um, but it's what, like aluminium, like a photograph of aluminium, or Yes, it's on metal, yeah. What would they call that? Not... I don't know. I don't wish you hadn't said that because I... It's going to drive me exposing my knowledge. I've got like daguerreotype in my head. I've got yeah, like all kinds of. I bought it at a Royal College show. Yeah, I bought it at a Royal College show, and I've got some photographs from Royal College shows as well. And um, God, this morning in my house in Whitstable, I've got my my bedroom's got some great photographs in it. I've got a photograph of Patrick Heron's studio mm. that um, a Cornish photographer took. And then I've got a photograph of the Bristol Channel, the mm. estuary between Bristol and Wales, that at dawn, and it's by a photographer that only photographs that over and over again in all sorts of different ways. In an weather. obsessive way. Right? Yeah, and because my bedroom is right on the water and I look out on the to my left and I've got the horizon there and I've got this other horizon and then I've got another photograph, uh, a series of images that are, uh, from a, someone from the Royal College of different flight patterns of birds. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I really... In that house, I've also got a Hamish Fulton mm. of walking, a mm. map of all his walks, because that's my other big passion. You're a rambler. Yes. I've got Gary Hume that I bought from Counter Editions. Yeah. Of a Vicious, the boxing one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One. It's great, that one. Uh, Michael Craig Martin of handcuffs. 
that big one he did of handcuffs and a chairs in it. Oh. Yeah, I mean, everywhere's a bit different. And you, I'll tell you something I haven't told you about that's really, really funny. In my house <laughs> in Yorkshire, uh, it's an old dairy farm. And um, because it's got some of the rooms have got the original stone walls, uh, you know, they were um, milking sheds, stuff like that. And it's not, they're not big rooms, they're cosy. Anyway, Gordon Watson, the art dealer, is an old friend of mine. I haven't seen him for a bit because we, he's so, um, what's the word? I've got to be very careful now because I don't <laughs> want to offend him. He has shit lists and you're in and you're out. I'm probably out <laughs> at the moment. Uh, anyway, Gordon rang me one day to say he was having a, a sale of stuff from his warehouse that he, you know, he had too much stock and it went into Sotheby's and he went, there's one thing you're really going to like. And I went along to Sotheby's and there was this tapestry of Adam and Eve oh, wow. and they're black and Adam has got a massive erection and these are uh, it's a French tapestry that was done in the um, early 50s, I would guess, and um, it's in the style of cocktail, really. Mm -hmm. It's that kind of... French surrealist, mm -hmm. and Adam's got his finger up Eve's fanny. <laughs> anyway, it's about five foot by. It's quite the big. The fanny or the whole thing? The tapestry oh, right, is about yeah. five by four. Wow. Anyway, I bought it, and when I went to collect it from Sotheby's, they went, Thank God you bought well, it. it. We didn't know. <laughs> and then all the porters said to me it was their favourite thing in the whole sale. Oh. And do you live with that in Yorkshire? Yes, in my living room. <laughs> oh I've got with it, I've got some other Adam and Eve's that I've collected over the years. I've got um, some old, you know, Adam and Eve prints and stuff. But Have you always been like, into this idea of Adam and Eve? No, it was just like they went, I already had them. I'd bought them at the uh, a fair in, Antiques Fair in Leeds in the 60s or 70s. Wow. So I've got that. Yeah, they, the, the tapestry is fantastic. And I've also got... <laughs> In that house, I've got, we've got to see a picture of this tapestry. Oh, no, it you got to send this next time you know, I've got, got some Tony O'Malley watercolors from uh, St Ives oh, because nice. I spent a lot of time in St Ives when I was at college because Patrick Heron's daughter Catherine was my best friend, and she still is one of my best friends. And so I've got some Patrick Heron watercolors and gouaches, and um, then through Patrick I met Tony O'Malley, and I've got some of his uh, paintings on shoeboxes from the sixties. Wow! So it's really evident then that you're like a proper collector. Yes. I mean, you... No, it doesn't seem like that to me. It's only my life and things know, that are people that I encounter. Isn't that the best kind of collection? Yeah. It kind of like they're is all it about memory so of your, yeah. your journey yeah. through life. I think it's the best. And talking about that behind you right now. Above your uh, beautiful fireplace are six portraits of you. Are they of you? Yeah. Yeah, I thought they were of you. I'm sitting here thinking, I, I thought I no, heard you say No, that sounds like earlier. a massive ego trip. No, but, but they're not. Anyone they... listening, we must say it's me as a demonic monster. Yeah. So it's not the slightest bit flattering. No, it's and I, I didn't have to a... question if it was you. I mean, it kind of could it's be you, but it could also not be It's me as a massively uh, fanged horror show <laughs> woman. Incredible. Yeah, and they're like me screaming out out at you. Yeah, well, they were. Um, the history of them is that in 2004, I was going to do a one woman show at the Edinburgh Festival. I'd written a book about my mother, 
I could only write it once she died. So it was a bit of uh, settling scores and it was very cathartic. So I decided to do a one-woman show about my relationship with my mother. And Neil Tennant came up with a brilliant idea of calling it All the Rage. Mm. <laughs> and uh, Damien had done some drawings of me before and I wanted to use one for the um, poster. I rang him up and he said, no, come round, I'll do a new poster. So I went to the studio and he did so many drawings and while I was there for hours, he did watercolours, drawings, photographs, and then I went, look, what he said, leave it to me, I'll just do the poster. And when the poster arrived, it was a combination of all, all these, it was a combination of all these elements and it had dots all over it as well. Oh, wow. Anyway. And this is Damien Hurst for anyone who doesn't realise who Damien is. Yeah, yeah Damien <laughs> Only the world's Hurst, most so famous has, artist. Yeah. And um, he said, like I said, I went, well, that's brilliant. He said, you can just have it. He just did it and wow. sent me all the artwork and everything. You know, all the, not the actual artwork, but the stuff to reproduce it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then about two or three years later, I got a call from his secretary and said, oh, Damien wants to give you something. And he gave me some of the things that had made up the, the image. Wow. wow. Yeah. And so all of these w- did actually make the poster? No, they didn't. They were so many. He did wow. So, many. so have you got more? No, he just gave me these ones and another drawing that's upstairs. Oh, wow. yeah, we saw that. To be honest, I think these are my favourite Damien Hurst works I've ever seen. <laughs> so cool. I had no idea he made... Work like they are. These, I've got brilliant. some drawings that he he has just done a book, hasn't he, of the drawings he did on napkin rings and uh, uh, oh, menus and stuff like that. Oh, cool. So he would always, when we went out to dinner, we'd always be drawing on the tablecloth or on the. Um, and he would take a picture of it, and then that's been archived now, part of this book. Or did he keep the original? I drawings? don't know, but I know he's done a book of drawings of Frank, his manager, Frank oh, Dunphy. Wow. Yeah. So have these been photographed before? Would like these out in public? No. So could we take a picture of you today with these? I uh, wouldn't be. Well, I suppose you could. But <laughs> It'd be great they're on my website anyway, but not with me in it. I think it looks such an ego trip. They t- no, it's so cool because you've got them framed in plexi and they just look really, it's so cool. Yeah. So what about um, on this side of the house? I'm just going to start talking about what's in this beautiful house. But um, the Richard Hamilton. The Richard him. Hamilton toaster. Um, was a birthday present from my third husband and uh, he knew how much I love Richard Hamilton and it was just summed up the 60s. It's the toaster and it's the most classic image because it's the artist's proof of the original time that he did it because um, Richard Hamilton went on and did other versions of that print. Yeah, it's a classic. Yeah. I I love it though because I feel like it really sums up you're kind of everything you love in a way right well actually i have i did have a lot of pop art i had um the joe tilson a to z box um which was given to me by alistair mcalpine i had a lot of joe tilson's i've still got one joe tilson a wooden labyrinth wow um i had jim dine uh the ones that's here, I had some kit eyes, all prints. I had a huge collection of pop art. I had quite a lot of Alan Joneses. Mm. I had because my first husband did uh, several books with him, and Alan mm. was a very close friend. Mm. And um, 
Then Alan did my portrait. I still have that. Really? Yeah. You have a portrait of you by Alan Jones? Yeah. That is cool. It's, um, Alan did my, um, portrait for the cover of Studio. Oh. And he made me into a fan. He did a, like a print, and then oh, it's like a, a multi-layered thing. Oh. So I've still got the I've still got a painting somewhere. So is, <laughs> it would, is Damien a pal of yours still? Is he someone you? No, I I do see him, and we're always friends. But I don't see him regularly. No, I know we're all we have been good friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. I wouldn't. The, the people that I really hang out with. Mm, they're kind of artists. You think you've got to allow them their space. So I wouldn't be ringing people up. Right. Because we've seen you at Tracy's events and you, we were all friends with Rebecca Warren, as I say. Yeah, earlier. well, Jay Joplin was a, a really good friend of mine, a very, very good friend, because he had a house near us in Yorkshire. Mm. And Jay, I, I go back a long way with Jay. I love Jay. Yeah. Jay Joplin is the director of White Cube Gallery. Yeah. 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 And you were saying that you went to one of his really early exhibitions when he had the tiny little gallery before it became it the big... Duke, yeah, it when, Duke Street? When, yeah, Duke Street, yeah. When Jay showed Jake and Dinos Chapman at that gallery, on, I, I went in and I can't remember what I paid for them, but it was quite a lot of money for me at the time. Right. But I made the decision that the disasters of war was such an important... Well, it really resonated with me because up to then I'd not bought any Jake and Dinos work. Well, I just thought that was brilliant. Mm -hmm. I just thought I loved the whole thing. I liked taking the Goya imagery. I liked what they'd done with it. I liked the fact it was really extreme. It took no prisoners. And I thought I can live with that. I want that in my bedroom. I want to look at that every day. I will never be bored by it. And people, when they see that I have in my bedroom, what, 70 images like that, they can't believe it. But I find it really calming. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, I listen to Bach or I listen to <laughs> Philip Glass, you know. I'm, you know, I find it works quite well. It's calm. Are you pals with them? Have you hung out with them? Oh, over the years, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. So you were there during the, the YBA kind of explosion, right? Oh, yeah, and I remember when the show opened in New York, going to the, uh, the Brooklyn Museum for mm. the opening of Sensation in New York. It was hilarious. I remember going with Hugh Grant. <laughs> really? Hugh Grant? <laughs> yeah. I remember going to dinner afterwards, and it was very... No, um, oh, it was a big, a big party, um, at the time, it was an exciting time, definitely, that whole era. And every opening that Jay had was a really, really big event. I mean, definitely. You, you felt like a palpable buzz at the time, like retrospectively. Yeah, now, I think what's scene. happened is that in a way, all the art fairs have taken all the air out of that. Right. I mean, now there's too much, too many shows. There's too much. And art fairs and not don't appeal to me i mean they're like going to the ideal home exhibition with lots mm. of little cubicles or something mm. can't it's not what i really relate to you, you that, don't like doing art fairs as much anymore do you? not as much anymore no i just find it a bit um i don't know i just find it so impersonal in some ways and you don't really get much time to talk to people they're always like on to the next thing they're sort and of looking also, over your don't shoulders you think people are buying art for like now that a lot of people buy art because they think it's part of a social strategy, it's to connect you to other people. Yeah. Whereas I bought art because... You loved it. 
Well, it's not that I'm saying I'm better than them, but I think the reasons are very bound up in my background and what formed me as a person. And if I didn't have my art around me, I'd be a bit miserable. Same. I'm exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have to live with. Me too. I sort of, you, you surround yourself with the things well, you love objects, in order to... Well, your objects, it's not all art, is it? Because yes, I've yes. also got a Devil Bendy toy that I wouldn't like to lose. A what? What's it called? Devil Bendy. What's that? It's a Bendy toy that's devil, the devil <laughs> made of yellow <laughs> like, plastic. You said that like devil we should all have one of those. We know about that. A yeah, I got one for Elton, actually, because I liked it so much. Um, you I seem think... to buy a lot of things for Elton. You seem very No, generous. he buys me stuff, what's, too. What has he bought you before? Uh... He, he and David gave me those Chinese um, figures, which mm. I thought I really like. Yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah, they're hand dynasty. Um, wow. He's got an incredible collection, right? I yeah, mean, I like his his photography collections. Are really amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he bought um, some of that great photography really early on. I mean, and he put a lot of thought into it. And also back people like Chuck Close. He bought a lot of work by Chuck Close really early on. No, and then he's moved into colour photography. Yeah, no, it's very... Yeah, the photography show at Tate was just incredible. I thought thought it was good because he curated that show, although they had their curators. It was absolutely hung the way he wanted it hung and it showed the breadth of his taste. Exactly. Yeah, and he's someone who goes out and finds out about new people because I've been around the Biennale... Uh, with Elton and I've been I've watched how he was really early on with Chinese artists and Chinese photographic artists he really got excited by people early on the thing I really respected about that show was this idea of taking care of art and you know the actual photography and looking after it because they can so easily get destroyed Mm. and fall apart and get wet and all these things and the fact that he's bought all of that amount of work Mm. and way more because that's historical yeah that's what i mean he's preserving history and i think i have so much respect for people who become successful make loads of money and then actually try and preserve culture somehow and protect it you know for future generations Mm. and he sees the importance in that which is you know a rare thing actually i've actually got some um work that's really fragile and it's in Yorkshire by a Californian artist called Chuck Arnoldi and it's made of twigs. Really? And I had to have it restored. It cost a fucking fortune (laughs) to have it restored because it just started, the twigs started falling apart. (laughs) It had to be put back together again. Could you not use your bendy devil to kind of bend them all back together? No, the bendy devil sits by on my desk in Whitstable. <laughs> I want to see this bendy devil. I know we need to get a picture of the bendy, bendy devil. Toy. <laughs> I, Actually, I have devil. said it on Loose Women about my bendy toy, and they look at me as if I'm completely mad. Because <laughs> <laughs> most people go, Oh, I've got a lucky this, that, and I go, Oh, I've got devil bendy. <laughs> so when, we, when we went upstairs earlier, you've got a work which I really loved by Patrick Coalfield. Mm. Yeah. And have you got a lot of his work or is that... No, it's just that one. Right. And I, what's the story behind that one? I can't remember. Oh, okay. Great. I just like it. I love it too. Yeah. I've always liked Patrick Horsfield's work. I love mm. all the interiors. They're yeah. fabulous. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Me too. And I think in some ways you're like a Michael Craig Martin. It's the same Patrick Horsfield and Michael Craig Martin. I think... I'm I like the way they distill an object down to being like a... Line. A, like a talisman or like a... Um, oh, God... So we might, I've got a lot of old jewellery and um, I've got one thing I've got is a Chinese 
um, tag and it's like a really important thing. I've forgotten what it is, but it's when you hold it, it's just really important and means something. It's in bronze. And I just think uh, the best arts like that or the objects, you just know it's a, a, an object of value and of something special when you see it. Mm. Other people might not, of course. <laughs> With the case of the devil, Bendy, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we always ask uh, every guest that comes on, um, what is their touchstone artwork? If they could have an art heist and you wouldn't get in trouble, you could steal something and take it home and live with it forever. And also, you, we, we can help you with, like, a big van or a yeah, crane or anything. anything. It doesn't have to be small. Yeah. You can, it can be anything you want. What would that be? An artwork that I could have that I haven't got. Yeah. Hmm. Like your touchstones, an artwork in the world that you're like, whenever you're in that city, you would go and visit that, or you'd see that sculpture somewhere and you want to take that. Mm, that is a really difficult question. Mm. I was thinking... Uh, Artists that I don't own anything of that I would like, which I did. Well, I own his books with Ed Ruscha. Oh, oh right. wow. I love Ed Ruscha. But so. then even looking at the books is, you know, they are the – Ed Ruscha is just the epitome of cool. Yeah. It's just everything he does is so harmonious and it just defies time. So you look at what he's doing now and you look at what he did 20 years ago. The other artist, if I – had to choose one is H.C. Westerman. Mm. There's a Westerman in uh, the Waddington, in sorry, there's a Westerman at the moment in the Marlborough Gallery upstairs on Bond Street that's just magical. And he has this whole mythological world, you know, he's got these characters. And so, you know, he's dead now, it's a shame, but I wish that I had a Westerman. Mm. Would you take that one from upstairs in the Marlborough Gallery? I looked at it, I thought, I can't afford it. How much, <laughs> like, how much is it? I don't know, but if it's a marvel, I can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other question we ask every guest is, what is your favourite colour? Pink. Obviously, it's all through, through your house. Yeah, shocking pink. I wasn't sure if you were going to say orange, because your, your staircase has an amazing orange. Yeah, well, my hair is a kind of blend of shocking pink and orange, and yeah. It, I reckon... I don't really have a favourite colour, but the colour I like living with is pink. It is incredibly invigorating. It is. I mean, I, the minute I walked into your house today, I was like, yeah. boom, you know, like rushed up from Have you always had pink, shocking pink or pink always pink? No, but the table we're sitting at uh, is um, this Saranen table and then the chairs that go with it, if you have the matching chairs, it looks like you're in an antique dealer's house. Mm-hmm. So Saranen did these other chairs that, that are called conference chairs and you can have them upholstered in like um, tweed that is, you know, of the time. Mm. So I had each chair upholstered in a different colour. Which is so cool. Yeah, and then there's one grey one (laughs) for the grey person. But you you need the grey one to balance out the rest of the Yeah, you can have too much of the bright colours. Did you ever fight against your instincts to have live with bright colours did you ever find yourself trying to be you're like no <laughs> no not really um well my previous house had uh, uh, a kind of very electric mauve kitchen uh, the david ajay house and the floor was glitter white glitter oh, wow. um it was the bedroom was blue and green like the one here like the dressing room here and that's because when you wash and you get up in the morning, you're feeling like shit. So 
the colours in the house are very sought through. So when I get up in the morning, I've got the Jake and Genos madness in the bedroom. But in the bathroom dressing room, I've got wonderful green and blue so it's calming because I'm feeling cross that I've got to go to work (laughs) (laughs) it helps kickstart your day yeah and then I come down here and the pink's on it you know it's ready to go yeah yeah I know like waking up with that in the morning if you're about to have your porridge yeah gonna kickstart you well Janet Street Porter Thank you so much. We love you. And we could have literally just kept talking to you for hours. But I think we'll do that um, without the cameras rolling. Not the cameras rolling, the uh, tapes recording. But um, thank you so much. And for everyone listening, you can um, see images of all the artists we've discussed today on our Instagram, which is at TalkArt. Are you on Instagram, Janet? No. Are you on any social media? (laughs) I have to be on Twitter, but not really. What's your Twitter handle? At the real JSP. And what's your website that people can go on? JanetStreetPorter.com. And you're up to speed. That's something you keep up to date, right? No. Well, the guy that does it is brilliant. Well, I was just about to say... Cheeky, cheeky. I went to your website today just to see what it... Oh, my website's great. I loved it. And it's so... It's actually just like your house, actually. It's like really bright colours, really pop design. I met him through um, Gavin Turk. Did you? Yeah. He does a lot. He works a lot with artists. It's a really good website, actually. And I love the bit where there's a photo of you in Margate, because you have your place in Whitstable. Oh, is it the dog eating my chips? The dog eating your chips. (laughs) What's the dog called again? Badger. Badger. I love Badger. That's a great name for a dog. Yeah, I could put on a video of the Badger singing, but that would be too sad. And also, I love the fact that you came to, you were one of the first ever guests we've ever had to our new gallery in Margate. I've been there. Oh, yeah, you've been there, actually. You don't count. I don't count. You're just like, just guff. Janet Street Porter came to our gallery before it's even open. It's fantastic. Uh, And you're a CBE, right? Yes. We, oh yeah, we have to mention CBE because every time we have, we've had so many like CBEs, now, OBEs, um, yeah. OBEs, CBEs, MBEs. Oh, you don't have MBEs. to mention it. I've got we love it. it. We love. You CBEs. got it for services to the arts, right? Journalism, broadcasting. Yeah. yeah. Have fun. Thank well, you. Thank you so much for coming on. Big love. Lots Cheers, love. everyone. Love Thanks for Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamant and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in this episode. Recorded at Spiritland London by Anthony Shaw and edited by Gareth Isles. Subscribe to Talk Art on iTunes and Spotify. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. 